0: Friends, and welcome to the What Do You Know podcast series. We are in episode 20, and today we are starting another conversation with another ministry leader with someone who has dedicated their life to serving students and their families. So, friends, sit down, grab a cup of coffee, grab a cup of tea I don't know, but friends, just sit down and relax and hear the conversation that is happening today. I hope you are blessed. I can't wait to hear how this conversation is impacting you and your ministry. So let's jump right in. Hello, friends, and welcome to the What Do You Know podcast. We are joined by another guest, somebody who has invested in students for how many years now, Jerry? 25. 25. That is as old as me. Wow. Thanks. That helps me. Wow, I didn't mean to make you feel old. I'm just amazed by it because uh, not many people stick in youth ministry that long. <laughs> yep. It, it boggles am. my mind.
1: Well, they Well Keep me around. <laughs> nice.
0: Well, my friends, we are in another episode of What Do You Know? And friends, just as a reminder, this podcast is something that I just don't want to do to fill up my time. Mm-hmm. If you can fill up my time, why am I just doing it? I want this to turn into a space where we can come together and think about ministry, think about how to lead in our churches, think about how to lead in these new days. I mean, the church is in an interesting predicament where we're trying to figure out ways to lead and minister to people when we can't be in the same room as them. It's weird. It's different. I never thought the church would ever be like this, but we are here in a new place and a new time trying to figure out how to minister to others. So that's what this whole thing is about. So, Jerry, welcome. Thank Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So, Jerry, can you give us a quick rundown on who Jerry Varner is? Uh, Give us a 30,000-foot view.
1: What an existential question. Thank you for starting with that one. Who am I? Who are any of us, really? Uh, Really? My name is Jerry Varner, and I serve as student discipleship pastor at Southside Church. Uh, We are on the south side of Richmond, Virginia, thus the name Southside. And uh, it, actually, I think there's some Bible verse that has the South Side of the Throne. I, I don't know something like that. We don't we don't get super super scriptural with that. But really, let's just stick with the basics. The South Side of Richmond, uh, Virginia. And I've been here for oh 16 years um, for since uh, 2004. I used to live in New York, right up there uh, where you are. I lived right outside New York City uh in Nyack, New York, uh if anyone has ever heard of that, graduated Nyack College, uh, right there on the Hudson River. Uh, in fact, the Hudson River was my backyard when I was up there, but been down here in um in the Richmond, Virginia area for 16 years and loving it. So, that's that's a little bit a little bit of me. What else you want to know? Can you give us
0: kind of like a location breakdown or a sort of a demographic understanding of Southside? I mean, We're both church nerds. We both love to talk that language. And I assume everyone that's tuning in here wants to hear more about our context.
1: Yeah. So can you give us a little bit of rundown there? Sure. Um, so, um, the, the church that I'm serving at now is, uh, in Chesterfield, Virginia, which I think is the largest county maybe in Virginia or central Virginia. Mm -hmm. It's a beast. It's a really big one. Uh, we've got schools, middle schools, high schools, pretty much on every corner. Um, and then they've got those trailers all around the schools to fit more kids in. So it's it's a lot of people um, in a relatively small space, and that's not even talking about Richmond City and the city of Richmond. So we are on the south side of the James River. So the James River, you know, kind of cuts through um, the city of Richmond and, and delineates that. So we're on the south side of uh, of the river. So there's the the south side, then there's the west end. There's the there's the East End, I think. Um, I don't know what happened to North, but it's it's somewhere over there. But but yeah, that's that's where we are. That's an increasingly uh, increasingly diverse um, community uh, that we live in, and um, I think that's probably can be said of most anywhere. Um, you know, if we're going to generalize things, but yeah, it's it's um, it's a wonderful context. Uh, to be serving in it is when I when I began to pray about possibly leaving New York and coming down here. Uh, the very specific prayer, which is a dangerous prayer to pray, is God, would you just would you give me some challenges in ministry? Um, and I had felt like I had started to creep into that maybe autopilot zone. You know what I mean? Like when you when you've been doing something long enough, you start to kind of shift into neutral and things start to become a little bit habitual and routine. Um, and I began to pray, God, give me some, give me some new mountains, give me some new challenges, because I don't want to stagnate as a as a youth pastor. I want to continue to grow. And so I jokingly, but not really jokingly, say it's been 16 years of God answering that prayer because ministry here is nothing but challenges. And I know that's not that's not unique to me or this area, but. Um, I, I tell people, if you don't like Southside church, wait about a half an hour because something's about to change. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, we just, we're, we're continually trying new things, falling on our faces, uh, with failure, trying new, trying other things. So I'm privileged to be a part of a church that's constantly reaching out and not afraid to, um, you know, not afraid to fail for the sake of endeavoring something new. So hopefully that, scratches the itch a little bit, a little bit better.
0: That that did. Uh, that's, that's encouraging to hear how God has answered that prayer every year for 16 years. Right. Oh, that's a dangerous prayer right there. (laughs) No, beware. So if you guys pray that prayer, hold on tight.
1: <laughs> yeah, I wash my hands of that. It's a disclaimer.
0: <laughs> oh um, my goodness! God
1: give so, me more challenges. It's a dangerous prayer. Yeah, that's
0: a huge, huge <laughs> prayer. So, my friend, I have to ask the question: What got you into youth ministry? What was the calling? What was the kick? Or did it start with something else?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I believe that that in hindsight, God really started to plant the seed for me. Um, at, a, at a young age, and uh, not like straight out of the womb or anything, but I grew up in a pastor's house. My dad was, uh, uh, was, was a Lone Ranger pastor of a very small church, a uh, very small Baptist church in Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, some people may have heard of that. If you, if you are trying to go, we, we used to joke, um, because in, in Cape May, Cape May is a tourist town. It's a beach town. It's a tourist town. In the winter, they would literally take the parking meters off of the poles and store them somewhere. They were there was it was a ghost town in the winter, but in summertime, it was shoulder to uh, shoulder people. So that's where I that's where I grew up in Cape May, New Jersey, and my dad was a pastor there. And so I always kind of had that ch- that church life, I guess, just the Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, that kind of routine. And uh, so um, I, you know, grew up. I gave my heart to Christ at eight years old, the ripe old age of eight years old. And uh, and I didn't turn into Billy Graham in the lunchroom or anything like that. I wasn't passing out tracks, um, you know, on the playground, nothing like that. I just kept riding my bike, drinking Kool-Aid. Um, I went through, probably like a lot of people, I went through a turbulent, um, a very brief but incredibly turbulent time in my teenage years. Um, and when I came through that at the age of 16, I had learned already by then that if you give me the wheel, I'm going to drive it into a ditch every single time. And so I came to God with a very simple prayer, and it was right, at, right after this turbulent time in, in, my, in my teenage years. I came to God with a very simple prayer. I said, um, "Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do." I didn't really have, I didn't really have ministry as a, as a calling or as a vocation. That really wasn't in the forefront of my mind. It was just that I was I was just literally laid out in front of God as a sacrifice and said, "Whatever you want to do with this mess, go for it." And um, and he he took me up on that, and um, I I quickly began to assume that I would end up in a small church just like my dad because that was literally the only point of reference I had. I didn't know any big churches. I had never heard of the term mega church. I was just a very small church. For us to have 75, 80 people on a Sunday morning was like revival had broken out. That's the kind of church that I grew up in. And so my point of reference was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up as a pastor of a tiny little church, and that's going to be my life. And so so the concept of being a youth pastor and a pastor to students I had never even heard of such a thing. I mean, I had teenage friends in my church and there was a youth group, but our youth group was volunteer. There was a guy and his wife who were in the Coast Guard and they volunteered. Those were our youth leaders, our youth pastors. So I didn't have the concept of that there was going to be like this opportunity to really dedicate my life and my calling to students. And so it really wasn't until my freshman year of college that I even knew that that that, that was an option. And then when when that door opened, there was no turning back. It was like, you mean, you mean I get to dedicate my life to middle school and high school students, knowing and loving and and staying in love with Jesus? Sign me up. That's that's clearly what what I'm called to do. And so it was just, you know, what it's like, Caleb. But it's it's hard to it's hard to qualify that to somebody else. It's just that you know in your heart that this is the calling that God has placed on your life. And, and even since my early years of college, I said, God, if you'll let me do this forever, I'll do it forever. If you'll let me, if you'll let me breathe my last breath in some kind of student ministry context, I'm, I'm all in. So, so that's where, that's where I am. And that's where I've been since, um, I don't know, the age of about 17, I suppose.
0: That's awesome. And I'm totally right there with you when it's hard to describe. I mean, I had a student in my ministry say, I feel a call to something and they can't quite put it all in the words. And when I try sharing my call, I share best with, I can with them. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, everyone's different. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah, every call is different. Right.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's awesome. My friend, that's, mm-hmm. that's a breath of fresh air because oh, good. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> that's a breath of fresh air because, and I'm just going to lay it all out here. Most times, when I hear youth pastors say, "I'm in youth ministry," they try to use it as a stepping stone. Yeah. And yeah. I'll be honest; that breaks my heart. Right. Yeah. Because our students can see that. Right. Like, yeah. You can try to hide it the best you can; they're going to see right through it. I mean, yeah.
1: I have a I have a slightly offensive analogy, if that's okay. Uh, and I've it. used this in front of crowds of adults too. Um, when I talk about my calling to youth ministry, I use the analogy. Of Play-Doh, you know when you take out a fresh can of Play-Doh and you plop it on the table, and it's just so soft and malleable and flexible. But what happens when you leave the Play-Doh out and you forget to put it away, and the air gets to it, and it kind of like it's it takes the shape of whoever touched it last. That's the shape that it that it is. And so, uh, like it or not, I don't know if this is fair or not, but sometimes I, I use that as analogy with ministering to adults is trying to play with Play-Doh that's already hardened in place. I want to play with the Play-Doh that's like still flexible and malleable. And there's going to be adults that are listening to this. They're like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to be hardened Play-Doh. And I know that's super generalization, but, um, but yeah, I, I want to, I want to be on the front row of watching God move in young people's lives for as long as he will let me. So yeah, that's where I'm at on that. But I've heard that, you know, youth ministry is kind of a toll road to real ministry um, or, you know, when are you going to be, when are you going to be a pastor? You know, I've, I've had people ask that.
0: I've had so many people ask me that. I'm like, I am a pastor. <laughs> right. You pastors are pastors. Right.
1: <laughs> uh, yep. If you all could see church. our faces. We and my are church is rolling. cooler than your church.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have so much more fun. We throw food at each other. <laughs> I wish yeah. you all could see our faces. We are rolling our eyes at just this weird dialogue of people just saying, hey, when are you going to be a real pastor? Like, yeah. hello. <laughs> so, my friend, thinking back through these last 25 years, if you could sit down and write a letter to yourself, uh, when you first became a youth pastor, or first started working with youth, what would that letter say? What yeah. would that letter include would it have any tips tricks yeah uh, reminders
1: well first of all it wouldn't be a letter it would be like (laughs) it would be like this huge voluminous book oh man there's so there's so much if i had if i had a time machine i'd go back and slap jerry around uh a little bit but i guess the i guess one of the main things that that comes to mind is um when you don't share the weight of ministry you don't share the joy of ministry And that was something I just wasn't mature enough then to realize that as I held on to the different responsibilities of ministry, I was actually robbing not only joy from other people, but I was robbing growth from other people. I tell students all the time to this day that the secret sauce of spiritual growth is serving. When Jesus said... um, Uh, the the greatest among you would be the servant of all. When he washed the feet and then he said, I'm calling you to do the same thing. What I have done, you must do. The secret sauce, if there is such a thing, uh, of spiritual maturity and growth is that we would serve others. But as a young person, uh, as a young pastor, I held so tightly onto all, I mean, you just name it. You name it, you name the responsibility or the task, whether it was menial and mundane or monumentous. I, I just wanted to do everything. You know the like the original Mary Poppins, the uh, the Bert, the guy with the one man band, and he's got the bass drum on his back and the cymbals and the mm-hmm. that was me as an early uh, as a young youth pastor. Um, and I've I've learned that I completely stole the opportunity to grow and the joy of ministry from other people um, by by not allowing them in. I had volunteers. But um I would never I would never give them anything, let alone anything meaningful to do. They just were just kind of showed up. And and I think part of that was was ego coming right out of Bible college. I had this, hey, you see this degree hanging on my wall, right? I earned that and I'm gonna show you what it's like. And you know, a lot of machismo and a lot of ego. Um, but you know, as as I've gotten older in ministry and as I've grown, um, you know, I've 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 learned that the more ministry you can give away, the stronger um, your ministry is going to be. I'm I'm continually and pretty consistently asking, what's something I'm doing now that somebody else could be doing? I just went through another round of that uh, with with my leaders. Uh, really, we're you know three weeks into the last round of that, and uh, just off, kind of like um, what's the word? Taking off what I'm carrying and. And giving it, you're not burdening someone else. You're actually gifting them with the opportunity to grow and learn uh, and get a lot more joy rather than just be a spectator, you know, come and watch the pastor do everything. That's, you know, that's that's where I started. And so if I was to go back and talk to myself, write a letter to myself, um, I, would, I would share that admonition. I would say, hey, give, give everything you can away. Now, we're going to go a little off script here. Okay,
0: But back at the beginning of this pandemic, when all this craziness sort of started, we had our upstate had their online team camp and I reached out to you and I said, Hey, your students are awesome. I love the way they do worship. And I think that's another cool aspect about ministry. You can also give responsibilities to students. Yeah. Uh, How has that worked out in your ministry when you give a student a responsibility how have they taken that and ran with it let's be honest students sometimes forget about responsibilities yeah so that's yeah. part of it
1: yeah one of the things um, that kind of a, a mantra that I've developed over the years is as youth as student pastors as youth pastors um, we're we're raising adults but cheering on teenagers so I want to give every student the opportunity to step into a responsibility that's not just like a you know, fold up the chairs afterwards, something that has some meat to it, something that, you know, is is really like, hey, if you don't come through on this, stuff's going to fall apart. And so um, I've learned to give students um, within their, you know, if they're interested in something um, to, to kind of give them the, give them the load of, I mean, you you give them the clear expectations, you give them the, you know, the responsibility. And I think even tell them like, hey, if this doesn't happen, then X, Y, and Z fall apart. And I think it's okay for them to kind of f- feel that. I use the expression glorious burden when I talk about ministry. It really is a glorious burden. And I want kids, I want kids to understand um, that, um, you know, like the, like the, the old uh, question, you know, like asking youth pastor, what do you, what do you actually do? You know, and I jokingly will say, well, I eat pizza that's a you know a, a daily occurrence. I shoot hoops, um, you know, probably seven or eight hours a day. Uh, so, actually, letting them see what it's like to to live in the shoes of of student ministry. But um, yeah, I I really love our students and how they how they jump in. And please understand, I am I'm not trying to paint like this whitewashed picture here. Like we have numbskulls in our youth ministry. We have kids who really really need to get up off their butts we need you know we have we have kids who are just still still consumers um but god helping us we we want to we want to give every opportunity to every kid who's willing to step into something meaningful when it comes to serving and our, our our student band is a great example of that in fact we just launched our second student band we've got we've got two of them now Uh, We have a kind of a a young, a slightly younger group, you know, mostly freshmen and some middle schoolers. Um, But yeah, we're, we just want to, and that's not like, hey, look at me. That's just like, where can you let a student shine? What can you give um, that's more than like sweep the floor after we're done? Something that actually has some meat and some weight to it. We like sweeping the floor. I I don't think anyone does. It is it's therapeutic sometimes, right? Eh, I don't know about that
0: one, but I really do appreciate the ways that I've seen you model youth ministry in a way that says, give the students that glorious burden. Yeah. And that's been encouraging to me. And I'll be honest, I've taken a page or two out of your notebook as I've watched you and your ministry kind of shape that ministry team. I'm trying to help form that culture here at my church. Yeah, But friends, that's something that I think we all need to take a note of. How can we get our students involved? Because Jerry, correct me if I'm wrong. If the students aren't invested, they're not going to show up.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very, I've, I periodically I do a survey and I'll ask students why they come. Nobody ever over the years has said, I come because Jerry's there. Nobody. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's coming for me. Uh, they're either coming for the relationships. That's the that's primary one. Uh, somebody that they know and like is there. Uh, and a close second is I've got, a, I've got a role. I've got a place. I've got a purpose. Um, I'm being trusted with something. So giving students an opportunity to be trusted and to, and to come through on that trust is, man, that's gold. In my book, that's student ministry gold for sure.
0: Well, I just want to take some time and just highlight that and just remind us as listeners and us as people that are working in youth ministry, the importance of giving students the keys. So here, you drive for a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
0: my friend, how do you avoid burnout? I think it's safe to say that these last few months have been the hardest months of ministry yeah. that I would argue anyone has experienced. Yeah in a good long while. So yeah. how yeah. have you avoided burnout in these days?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to completely agree with you. The, the, last, the last seven months, uh, I, I feel like I've worked harder in seven, these seven months than I have in the previous seven years uh, as, as youth ministry. Um, and I was shocked by that. I thought, oh, we're going to go virtual. We're going to do stuff online. This will be easy. I'll just, I just got to stay home, sit on my couch, and turn on Zoom. Oh, my word. Was I in for a rude awakening? Holy cow! We have, we, have, we have really it's it's been it's been a curveball for sure. Um, so how do I how do I avoid uh, burnout? Um, this this just may sound cliche, but it's biblical, so I guess it's okay. Um, disciplined rest, I think, is just so so critical. Um, if my lead pastor were here, um, he would he would say the same thing. He's a worker. He is, he is nose to the grindstone pedal to the metal all the time worker um and so some of your listeners might be ministering with someone like that like go 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 go
0: that's Um, me all the way my senior pastor has to kick me out of the office yeah yeah he literally said why are you here
1: yeah go away that's good that's a blessing that's good um, so, discipline rest is so critical. I use the analogy of ministry being like an assembly line. If you, you know, let's just imagine yourself in a factory, on an assembly line. That that line is never going to stop. It's the work is never going to stop coming. So it's on us to have the discipline to just simply step away. There's always going to be more to do. You're never going to be done. Um, but unless you're disciplined enough to rest and recharge, you're going to end up burned out. Just the other day, I I had a, I think it was on Monday, actually. Today's Thursday. This was on Monday. Um, I had, I mean, a packed full weekend. We had a Friday night uh, high school event. We had most of the day Saturday. This was kind of our fall retreat alternative uh, event all day Sunday, had stuff going on. And I just needed to just like hit the pause button. And just Monday was just like, I don't know, whatever you do, whatever you need to do, to refresh you. I, I like to go to home Depot and just wander. I just look at stuff at home. Depot. Yes. That's All I do. Um, uh, I, I binge watch American pickers. That's, that's just what I do. Uh, whatever you need to do to refresh, uh, yourself and, you know, do that, but it's gotta be a discipline. It's gotta be a, I mean, not to, not to unromanticize it, but you, you've got to schedule that time. Um, and yeah, I, I, um, I, I can't say that enough. Anybody who who ministers with me knows that that disciplined rest is kind of a soapbox of mine. Cause I've seen it take so many people out uh, when, you know, when they just go, 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 go. Yeah.
0: Man, I wish you all could see my face, the wandering around home Depot. <laughs> I can relate to that on a spiritual level, <laughs> but I think you hit the nail right on the head. And I, I think that's a great reminder for all of us. Now, you talked about doing like weekly practices. Is there any other practices that you do say on like a monthly basis or a yearly basis that keeps you refreshed?
1: Um, I I really, for me personally, it's not that regimented. I don't have like a, okay, this month I'm going to do this. I know there are some awesome pastors that they'll go away for, you know, an overnight thing. They'll go to the beach every month or something like that. Awesome, man. If you have the capability of doing that, that's, that's fantastic. For me, I, I suppose it's a maybe a little bit more organic than that. Um, I, I have never really thrived in the environment of strict regimen and routine. It's got to be a little more fluid, I guess, for me than that. I know in my own spirit, like I know when I'm short with people. I know when I'm irritable. I know when I'm, I'm getting frustrated. Um, and so I kind of use that, I guess, as a gauge. That doesn't really address your question. And I'm sorry, but that I just kind of use that. And, but honestly, it probably ends up being, you know, about a month. I need, I need time with my wife and I need time with her um, just, just to have a conversation. And it, that might be, um, you know, Chipotle lunch date on a Friday. Um, it might be, I don't know. It's we, It's been a while since we go out to dinner uh, somewhere, but, just her and me spending time with her is that's just like fills my tank right up. But um, it isn't a monthly uh, or a yearly thing. I have been to conferences and conventions uh, and things like that. And man, if you can get away last, let's see, last November, uh, I went to the youth specialties um, national youth worker convention in Tampa and it wasn't in the budget for the church. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't something that, we were able to, to swing, but my wife and I just decided we have to. And so, um, you know, we we put pen to paper and figured out finances and just said, you're going. And so I went uh, for several days and, you know, wandered around Tampa and drank Starbucks and, and talked with total strangers who were also in the trenches of youth ministry. And man, that was good for my soul. But Uh, If you can on a, on an annual or twice a yearly basis, get away to some bigger scale thing. Um, Yeah. And I, and this is no, this is no, I don't know how this is going to come across. I'm going to take a risk here. No slam to, to use specialties or. It's not like I was going that because I needed a bunch of information or I needed to know how to do things. I want to be a student forever, right? Like I'm, I'm never going to be like, Oh, I know everything. I, that that jerk, I hate that guy. So I don't want to be him. But I didn't go with the expectation of, oh, man, I got to go to that breakout. And I got to hear that speaker. And I got to learn that, you know, technique or whatever. It was just a, I just need to, I just need to be somewhere else and be around other people, um, learn everything I can from different conversations and stuff. So yeah, if you're able to go away on on a yearly basis, then Fantastic. Yeah. But for me, sorry, that was a long winded answer. But for me, it's much more like, I don't know, just the daily check in, check your pulse. How's your attitude toward people? That's a big indicator uh, for me. Um, When's the last time you talked to Jesus? That's a huge number one thing uh, for me. So anyway, yeah, that's how that's kind of how I do it.
0: That's a great sum up. I mean, we're all different. I mean, I go sit in a tree for a week and leave my phone in my car and Talk to no one. But my friend, I'm thankful that we're in a denomination that encourages us to continue learning. I'm thankful for the fact that we as pastors are continued to be lifelong learners. That way we don't turn into the dude that says, I know everything. Right, Right. Yeah. So with that being said, what books are you currently reading and or what books would you recommend for youth pastors or pastors or just volunteers?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll encourage anybody listening. I'm the slowest reader in the room. So, so, and I've always been that way. I've never really enjoyed reading, but I, I've learned that I need it. I need to, to, to read. And honestly, right now, uh, right now I'm reading, um, a book called ready or not, uh, kingdom innovation, uh, by a guy that I know actually, his name is Doug Paul, And it is fantastic. Really, really a stretching, is um, stretching my thinking. It's about innovation in God's kingdom. And man, what a timely uh, book. Just came out, I think, last week. Um, so yeah, fantastic. And Doug's not asking me to say anything about it. I just, it's it's a really, really good book, and I and I recommend it. Um, one, another book that we're reading as a staff is, I'm going to try to remember the title, The 15, 15 Invaluable Leadership practices I'm screwing up the it's a john maxwell book um and it's it's got some nuggets in there as well um just about you know leadership and effective leadership uh and all that stuff so those are those are two that um two books that come to mind i've learned that i can't i'll i'll be like i've read seven or eight books at a time and it takes me years to get through any of them so i'm sure i'm trying to do better and just kind of like i'm gonna stick with this one until i get through it and then i'll go on to the next one but But anyway, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I would, if I was going to recommend a book, uh, Ready or Not by Doug Paul is is really, really good.
0: And guys, all these books and references will be in the show notes that we don't have to go back and rewind and re-listen. So just take a look down there and you'll find it. So my friend, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but what is giving you life or what is exciting you about ministry in this moment? Because... I don't think many people would say ministry is exciting unless they intentionally thought about it and put some like real brain power into it because just looking at numbers, people yeah. are going to be discouraged.
1: Yeah. 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 Well um, yeah. Can, can I just grab hold of that last thing that you just said and I want to talk about it and I'm not trying to hyper spiritualize things, but if you go back to John chapter six, Jesus was doing some, he was doing some hard teachings and in fact, people said this is a really a hard teaching. We can't, we can't really accept this. Um, and it and it says, I always think it's so weird. I know it wasn't the book, Bible wasn't written with chapter and verse, but John chapter six verse sixty six, John six six six, says, and at that point, many of his disciples turned away and no longer followed him. Um, I don't and I'm not trying to hyper spiritualize this this pandemic, and and I don't read into this, but. I do see, and I've been around long enough to see God moving in seasons of pruning, and when He prunes, He's getting ready for the next harvest. And, um, and I'm not—I am not a, a pep talk guy. I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I just really, sincerely believe, and I—and I hope that listeners can grab hold of this. Um, I believe that even though, if you were to look at the the numerical evidence, let's say. Uh, in In much of uh, the American church today, you you could get discouraged. Um, I really believe that we 're just we 're just prepping for uh, a new wave of god 's holy Spirit, even in our country, which is as things are now let 's admit it 's very hard to imagine that a that a wave of spiritual renewal and revival is upon us, and I believe that there 's a pruning that 's going on in god 's kingdom that basically um, like Jesus turning to his disciples says, Hey, what about you? Are you, are you going to leave me as well? Um, and yeah, as for me, everybody can make up their mind. As for me, I'll echo, uh, the words, Hey, we have come to know, and we believe that you are the Messiah. You are the son of God. So I'm man, I, I'm going to stick with him. He's gotten me through every single thing that I've faced for all the years that I've been walking with him. So he's not going to let us down now. Um, So what excites me right now is um, I'll use, I was talking with my youngest daughter recently and to hear her say that she wants to make a difference for God's kingdom and she wants to make disciples. She's a, she's a freshman in college. She goes to Mount Vernon and um, she's just, you know, like, like probably most freshmen like, Hey, this major that I picked, is this the right one? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Anyway. um, But to hear her say that, and it doesn't matter at all that she's, that she, you know, she's one of mine. Um, but if I was to hear any young person say, I just want to make a difference in God's kingdom. I just want to make disciples. I mean, how much better than that does it get? You know what I mean? Um, so It doesn't
0: get much better than that. Let's be I know, honest. Right?
1: But, and, and for me, you know, for my daughter to say, Third John 1, 4, it says, um, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in truth. And so I apply that not just to my own biological children, but I look at the students that I've invested in over the years and that's what gets me going. I don't, I don't, I don't um, count success in ministry as to how big the crowd is on a Sunday morning or for us like Wednesday night, Thursday night. Um, I it's five to 10 years after they've gone. That's where really the report card is for youth pastors. Like where in the kingdom is that young person? And how brightly are they shining uh, for Christ? So to me, um, yeah, that's, that's just, that's, that does it for me. Um, my wife, she gives me life. I had, a, I had a special event with high schoolers recently, and she was like, what do you need? How can I help? And, you know, she's, and she's not like on the volunteer staff or anything. She, just, she would say, if she were here, she would say, um, I'm, I'm not called to be a pastor's wife. I'm called to be Jerry's wife. And so um, that has always been the way that she lives and supports me and, um, and, and loves. But yeah, beyond that, I'm, I'm just trying, uh, I'm trying to, uh, I'm not trying to like schmooze you here, but honestly, being asked to share my thoughts on your podcast, that's a big deal to me. And I really appreciate um, being invited and after being in ministry for, for 25 years. The longer I'm in it, the more passionate I am about helping those who are younger than I am. So, um, yeah, and I'm not blowing smoke, Caleb. but I, I just really like being invited to be a part of this, what you're doing here with what do you know, that's a big deal to me.
0: Well, I definitely appreciate that. And I think it, it's something to be said for looking at the life of a student 10 years down the road right? Yeah, and seeing the impact that they have mm-hmm. – after you're long gone or they're long gone. Right. right. That's interesting. I've never thought about the 10 year plan or the 10 year report card. Yeah. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Our, our metrics are, you know, like, what's the spreadsheet look like? What's the attendance, you know, numbers look like. And not that that's the only metric, but that's, we got to admit that's a pretty common, you know, metric. So I, yeah, I decided a while back that I'm not going to use that metric anymore because um, I know they go together, but it's not, it's, me it's not so much how many people you're drawing in it's how many people you're sending out and i know that those two are you know related to each other of course but um you know where are the students that have come through um where when when our lives have intersected for any period of time what happened with god's help and through his spirit what happened to that student uh and where are they now and you know how are they living and all that so
0: yes i completely agree with that and even just thinking in the last I've been in full time ministry for only two and a half years now. Yeah. Just some one of my students came back and she's like, Can I be a youth worker? Mm-hmm. And so that was a full-on conversation. Yeah. yeah. There. So I mean, that's encouraging to think about that only in my little two year, two and a half yeah. year lifespan in ministry. Yeah. Uh, can you share a little bit more of that? I don't want to say it's a trap, but that mindset that we as youth pastors get caught up in with the metric. Mm-hmm. what would be some advice that you would give to help us avoid that trap? Because yeah. that's a really common thing that we build our success or yeah. you know, claim it's failure on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I wrote to, um, Josh Griffin this morning and Josh Griffin, and I, We're not best friends. We don't talk every day. Nothing. I I mean, I've met him a couple of times and anybody who's in ministry listening to this knows, Probably knows who Josh Griffin is, and um, I, I was just really candid with him. I sent him a note, a, a DM on Instagram after something that he had that he had posted, and I was just really honest with him. and And, and I just said, sometimes I struggle with jealousy, just being tempted to be jealous um, when I look at somebody else's ministry. And oh my word, it's it looks like a commercial for youth ministry. Like and they got the they got the the place, and they got the lights, and they got the crowd, and they got the So all that to say, um, if I could encourage youth leaders, um, not, and the note went on and I did go in a different direction, but, but uh, I learned a long time ago from my dad that genuine ministry is never jealous. And so if, if that guy on the other part of the country is just crushing it and, and he's, he's pulling in crowds with whatever tools he's got, man, that's, that's awesome. And, you know, celebrate that. That's fantastic. Because we're not in competition with one another. But um, as far as the metrics go, I have I, I moved, when I moved from New York to, to Virginia, I, I moved from what I would call it, consider a medium-sized church to a very large church. Southside is, is, is on the large side, uh, comparatively speaking. And honestly, in my naivety, I, I thought I was kind of moving up. And you'll forgive the expression. I thought I was kind of moving up to the big leagues. Um, and man, it didn't take too long to realize that that's a bigger thing is not a better thing. It's just a bigger thing. You have, you have more, everything is relative. You have more of everything. You might have more people, but you also have more of the issues that come along with those people. Um, yeah, you might, there might be a a different number attached to the budget, but it's all relative. And so don't think that, if it, if, my, if my ministry was bigger, then I would be more successful or I would be happier or things would be going so much better or I wouldn't have the problems I have now. it's all relative. It's really kind of a sliding scale. That sounds a little bit bleak. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mean for it to be for it to be negative, but I think if we if we really want to have uh, a good metric of how we, how we um, measure successful ministry, Number one, we you just got to make sure your hand is in God's hand. That's the number one thing because a lot of times our ego gets in the way, and we want it to be a come and come and see me, come see the pastor do his thing, um, be impressed, you know, by the by the event that I can pull off. Um, so yeah, I've I've really over the years I've moved away from that because it's it's it's, I mean God can use it I guess, but it's kind of in my estimation it's kind of a shallow end uh, of ministry, but. Really, in those stories of students who are going out from your ministry, whether into college or military or workforce, whatever, where are how are they shining uh, in the kingdom? For you know, if they're a plumber, if they're a teacher, if they're a fighter pilot, whatever it is they're doing, um, you know. In a re- in related to that, um, I used to hate sports. Not hating sports, but hating. What sports did to my kids in my youth group, like whatever season it was, I lost those kids, you know, so I had this this you know really bitterness and resentment towards sports because practices, and the coach says i can't miss, and you know I'll, I'll he'll bench me if I don't go, and you know all that stuff um and i several years ago I just decided i'm not going to i'm not going to fight the battle with sports anymore what i'm going to do is i'm going to say i'm not I'm not going to say you shouldn't be on the soccer field i'm going to say what are you doing for God's kingdom on the soccer field? How is God using you on the show choir stage? You know, so it's really more about that. So if if uh, all of these listeners and, and youth leaders could could switch to that metric, I think you would relax a little bit because that's so much more on God and so much less on me.
0: This is a breath of fresh air to me just hearing somebody else who kind of works in that same mindset. Yeah. And I feel like I don't even need to ask this question right now because this whole podcast session has been filled with just general advice that has, I I guess, I'm here taking notes. (laughs) (laughs) But what sort of advice would you give to youth workers today uh, in this COVID-filled, I don't want to say terror-filled, but people are being pretty terrified right now. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of advice would you give to youth workers, youth pastors? And let's just throw it out there to pastors in general. Yeah. Because we have a few that listen to this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I guess I would say that your approach to ministry, it has to fit the shape of your particular context. Uh, I used to be guilty of trying to take something that somebody else was doing and just duplicate it and try it, you know, where I am. God called you, to where you are and where you are is like no other place. I know there's a lot of similarities but, you know, between humans and, and how, we, how we interact and things that we wrestle with. And I know there's some principles that are transferable, but don't spin your wheels just trying to duplicate what somebody else is doing. Um, staying fluid in how you minister in your unique context. Um, yeah, and, and, and don't think that just because something doesn't work where you are, but it seems to crush somewhere else, that it's you. Don't think that either. Um, I'd also, I would also say don't, don't prize programs over people. Um, I, I used to do that. I used to, I used to say, if I can just pull off all the logistics of this really cool event. Um, but during the context of the event, I'm way too busy to stop and talk to anybody. Cause I'm like the, the cruise director, you know, so to speak. So, um, I, I have tended in the past to, to really try and polish every angle of an event and fail in making personal connections with the people that I'm called to serve. And that's embarrassing for me to admit. Um, and I just don't want to do that anymore. So, um, yeah, I would just say be true to the place God has called you dig in to that, dig into the culture, uh, where you are. Um, in our high-tech world, high, we have to be even higher touch than we are high-tech. Um, so you could use, you could use YouTube, you could live stream, you could Instagram live, you could, you, you could be on TikTok, you could do all of those things, leveraging every possible resource of technology. But unless your unless your touch outweighs your tech, uh, I I think you're just going to be another another kind of a sounding gong, you know, you're going to, you're going to end up being wallpaper. So I want my students to know that I care about them. Like, I want them to know that I know their name and I know what's going on, uh, with them. And, or one of my leaders, like my, you know, small group leaders, um, that, that they know, you know, what's going on. But anyway, if I could give, if I could give advice, um, that would be, that would be some of it. Just, you know, knowing where you're at and ministering in that context, um, go easy on yourself, man. I have spent seven months in a lot of ways, beating myself up. Nobody has the answers. Nobody has the answers or the, or the corner of the market or the playbook for, you know, how to do what we're trying to do right now. So deep breaths, give yourself some grace uh, and patience. Um, take, take, take good care of yourself, do that spiritually, do that emotionally, mentally, physically. Um, yeah. So that's some of the advice that I would give. I wish we had another hour cause I think I could probably give <laughs> that much more, but those are a few things that come to mind.
0: All right, Jerry, I just want to take some time and just celebrate with you. How has God been moving in your ministry these days? I mean, we've been talking about the hardships of doing yeah. ministry in a pandemic yeah. and talking about the struggles that we've been having, and just the changing environment of the world. And I think we just need to finish off our time here today, celebrating some of the bright spots. Yeah. That way we just aren't dwelling on the darkness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, we like, like so many other people uh, in March, we just kind of shut everything down. We shut the doors uh, to the church. We couldn't gather, you know, the way that we, the way that we could, we went to zoom for, just about everything. It was it was probably a few weeks that I even went to my office um, several weeks in. Uh, but when we did, this was in July. I remember in, in July of this summer, we did our first in-person youth service. We did it outside so that everybody could bring their camping chairs and and spread out and, and all that stuff. And I started then um, this whole Message, and we've kind of let it be wallpaper of our ministry ever since then. um, Consumer to contributor—that's really where God wants us as our student ministry. He He has called me in this season to bang that drum. Consumer to contributor. So um, ever since then, what I'm celebrating now in our ministry is just watching students step into that—that they're as spectators, spiritual spectators in the church world. They Boredom is almost immediate and almost inevitable. Um, But when you can move from consumer to contributor, you start to come alive spiritually and you start to feel a part of the body. You begin to experience spiritual community the way that God designed for us to be. So I've been watching students step into those places and literally like thrive in those places. So as we have, um, as we've seen students understand their giftedness, and be used by God in ways that I would have never even thought of. Um, and it goes way beyond just the you know, menial tasks, but things that are, like we talked about earlier, things that are actually weighty and actually uh, important. And then that builds their spiritual confidence that God actually does use me. And if he can use me here to do this, maybe he can use me in that person's life over there. So it's a, it's a whole new frame of reference that so many of our students is, students are experiencing right now.
0: That's awesome. That's, that's encouraging to hear how like doors have been opened, even though doors, the church have been quote unquote yeah, shut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't ever think the church actually shut down, shut down. Let's right, be honest. Right. Yeah. So my friend, as we wrap up our time here today, how can we be praying for you and your ministry?
1: Um, probably it, it would, it would be discernment for what needs to be left behind. Uh, and there's probably a lot more than I would like to think needs to be left behind as we as we make our way through the next several months I really I want to echo uh, something that our that our DS said something our lead pastor uh, said I do not want to go back to the way things were it feels like maybe some people are just waiting for the vaccine to come out or the cloud to lift and then we can just revert back um, I think it's critical that we leave a lot of things behind um, praise God for their season for their effectiveness, but let him breathe new life into his church. Um, so I'm, I'm just working on figuring out what needs to be left behind and what are the new things that need to be picked up. And uh, yeah, in ministry, we're constantly wrestling with new concepts and approaches. Uh, we want full effectiveness. So I want to not just have clarity on like best practices, but just being spirit-led in how we move forward. Uh, to me, that's the most important thing for our ministry, and 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 I I bet a lot of people would would echo that. Man, I just want to be in lockstep with the Spirit in whatever, wherever He's going. I want to be with Him, um, and I just need discernment for that because there's there are good ideas and then there are God ideas. So I don't want to I don't want to get caught up in a good idea and miss out on the God idea.
0: Definitely. Well, let's go to our Father in prayer uh lord today thank you for this opportunity thank you for technology thank you that we can get together and just talk about you and talk about your church and talk about the things that you are doing in our world Uh, lord thank you for being our light thank you for being our hope but right now i just want to pray for jerry and his ministry lord i pray you just be with him help him to stay in step with your spirit help him to see the things that you see Uh, lord help him and his ministry not to just go back to the way that they were, but help them find a new way, a new path, Mm -hmm. Lord, help them figure out the next step, whether it's still in the pandemic or after the pandemic, Lord, help us all figure out what the next step is. Help us to be good listeners. Help us not to get caught up in our good ideas, but Lord, help us, Dig into your word. Help us listen for your spirit. Help us hear you in the busyness of life. Uh, Lord, we just want to say thank you for guiding us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son. Uh, Lord, again, thank you for your goodness and your grace that you freely give to us. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Jerry, for joining us on What Do You Know? This has been awesome. It's so much fun. I appreciate the invitation. It's been, it's been a big deal for me. Something I've really looked forward to. So yes, it was fun.
0: Well, thank you again, friends. I will talk to you later. Join us next week for another episode of what do you know?